first time ever having makeup on um, for doing uh, well, stage camera of TV makeup. That was very strange. Just never had that done before, which just kind of, you know, things are different. Everything's ratcheted up another level. I got home that night and was like, I don't know how to take this off. And all I want to do is go to sleep. Welcome to Ready, Set, Impact. I'm Aliyah Legg, a rising fourth year industrial engineering major, and I'm the director of media on TEDx Georgia Tech. My name is Megumi Gupta. I'm a rising second year and also an industrial engineering major. Here at TEDx Georgia Tech, I'm also the director of community. And, and we're your hosts. TEDx Georgia Tech is an entirely student-run, independent chapter of TEDx here at Georgia Tech with the goal of creating platforms for people to share their ideas with our communities. And we're excited to use this podcast to create another platform to discuss and share new ideas and create an impact. This week, we have Steve and Ralph joining us to talk about entrepreneurship and startups while in college. So before we start talking with Steven, I want to talk a little bit about how this podcast and getting it off the ground has felt kind of like its own little startup. It's a lot of work, but it's very like the word I keep using to describe the podcast experience (laughs) is rewarding just because, yes, it's a lot of work. Yes, it's kind of exhausting with all the meetings and stuff, but it's one of the most um, fulfilling projects and so much fun. It's 100% worth it that I've ever worked on. and. I think rewarding is like the perfect word to describe it. What about you, Magumi? Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree. It has become a bit of an inside joke because we like whenever we describe the podcast to anyone, we're always sort of repeating the word rewarding because it's true. It's a lot of work. It can get a lot of um, very exhausting, a lot of obstacles coming our way, our way because, you know, it's it's something that's so new that we we're just sort of you know, getting it getting it started. It's definitely been a really good learning experience. Uh, I think we've over the few weeks we've been doing this, months we've been doing this, I think we've really figured out a way to use our resources in the most sort of efficient way and just getting the most done as we can. So it'll be interesting to talk to Stephen today and sort of learn from him and see what his experiences are and we can apply that to the podcast. Yeah, I agree. And it's crazy to think about that. Our um, podcast team, which isn't just me and Megumi, obviously, it's... um. <laughs> our producer and our editors who are fantastic but it's crazy to think how little we had little experience we all had going into this and we were really all learning together I remember when um Raj who's TEDx's Georgia Tech's executive director and had he had the idea for this project there was one day I think in like February he came over to my table at the Panera in West Village it was in the morning and I was studying for my optimization exam and he was like hey do you have a minute I want to run this idea past you and he was like I have this idea for a podcast and kind of like Gave me his little pitch for it. And I was like, yeah, that would be really cool to work on. And then he got together like the first podcast meeting, which kind of like got our little team together and we split up all the roles. And then Corona happened and we had to do it all remote, <laughs> which has been an adventure and experience in itself. But um, somehow we've made it work. And I feel like we've come very, very far over the past couple of months while we've been working on this. And I'm very proud of us. So I guess that's just a little background for our audience about <laughs> how we got started. But overall, I think... It has been very similar to a startup that we're figuring out as we go, but we've come up with this product that we're all very, very proud of. And we're excited for y'all to continue joining us um, and listening to our episodes. For sure. And with that, let's let's talk with Stephen. So with us today is Stephen Ralph Jr., a rising fourth year computer engineering major. 
He's the president of Georgia Tech Swim Club and a founder of Canary, uh, an internship review platform for college students. He competed as a finalist at this past year's Inventure Comp Competition, where Canary won People's Choice Award. Thanks for being here with us, Stephen. How's your week going? Very good. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, so we're really excited to have you. Um, Stephen is actually one of my really good friends. I've known him for a very long time. And I actually remember a couple months ago, I guess it was more like six months ago. I don't know. Probably. Um, I remember we were hanging out and Stephen asked me for a favor. He goes, hey, I have like this huge favor to ask you. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what is he going to ask me? And he goes, can you leave this review on a website I'm working on? I was like, yeah, of course. And that website was obviously Canary, um, which we'll let Stephen explain a little bit in more detail um, in a minute. But first, I want to ask, what got you interested in entrepreneurship? Yeah, absolutely. And I remember that, too. That was pretty funny. Um, in terms of entrepreneurship, really, I got started um, in high school, not really with entrepreneurship per se, but something closely related, which is just seeing how something that you build grows and being in control of it and seeing how your actions have a direct impact on on something else. Not often something that a lot of high schoolers get to get to see outside of the context of a small class project or something. But that was something I was always interested in. My first outlet was uh, really of like YouTube. So I had a YouTube channel um, and made videos on drone laws. So then it kind of took off. It was like I had a video that was a number one video on if you look up US drone law. It was a number one video for a while. And I was just some high schooler who had taken the time to read through things, understand it, and put it in the context of ways that you know, people who you don't really want to go read through dozens of pages of legislation can go and understand it. And that was really cool, and especially with something like YouTube, where your audience is enormous, and you can see the analytics behind it immediately. That was really, really cool. And then uh, closer related to that was also in high school. I saved up, uh, bought a drone, a photography drone, and started doing real estate photography. So that was really cool as well, although that was very much a freelance type thing. Being in control of every aspect of that, the contacting people, pricing, um, invoicing, and then, of course, all the photography and editing stuff and being able to really see the impact that both of those have um, in terms of YouTube it's just the analytics behind it and the views and um, the comments that people are saying how you help them out was really really cool and then the drone stuff was a little bit slightly more tangible where it's you can go to a house listing and see your your pictures there that was also really cool and be able to interact with those people and, and clients was kind of the the springboard for everything all of that sounds really cool and I guess I'm just interested in uh, how that all sort of uh, played in and let, led up to the Canary. So tell us about Canary. What's the story behind it? Um, I want to know everything. Right. Absolutely. So uh, Canary, all kind of started, I have one of my co-founders, Simmons Petway. We met freshman year at in a George Tech English class, English 1102. We sat next to each other, started talking throughout the year and um, figured out we were we had a bunch of similar interests and whatnot. Um, fun fact, he actually also had a drone photography company um, when he was in high school as well. I just forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the things that we, we had in common. But we ended up becoming re pretty good friends over the course of the year and kind of turned into this thing. We realized both of us wanted to do something entrepreneurial. We were both interested in it. So it became a thing where basically every other week, one of us would call the other and go, hey, startup idea. And just pitch some, some random idea we could come up with uh, 10 minutes before. And we would just take turns, you know, ripping each other apart, ripping the ideas apart and just seeing like, you know, this, oh, with the problem, what's the problem with this, the problem with that. And just because we wanted to, if we're going to do something, um, we want to think about it, we wanted it to be, you know, something we could actually turn into a, a 
bigger idea, a bigger project. So he did that for um, almost a year. And then summer 2019, I get a phone call from him. Um, I was working on um, another project at the time, but uh, I get a phone call from him and he goes, hey, startup idea, and basically pitches what Canary is turning into uh, to me. And goes, what if you had a site where students could go in, type exactly what they want to do, like whatever you know, software language, tools, so software tools, um, whatever they want to do in their internship, they can type it in and pull up internships where students actually said they did those things. Because um, we had both had experiences with us and our friends where they went and did something and it just wasn't really what the job posting was. They just ended up doing something else. And sometimes it's just the nature of internships, but sometimes it's really just the job posting was wrong. Um, so pitched me that I was like, I can't really poke any holes in that. That seems to work really well. Um, and so from there, we got back on campus and, and started working on it with a with a big group of people. So that is kind of the, the genesis of the whole thing. There was no really uh, eureka moment like there is stereotypically <laughs> sometimes. It was really just us keep throwing ideas back and forth knowing we wanted to do something. I would say that's really cool. Um, I think it's awesome that like, I don't know, I, the whole continuing like to pitch ideas back and forth. I think that's like, one, it's such a like cute friendship, I guess, but also <laughs> <laughs> it's also... I guess you said like you'd poke holes in each other's ideas and that's I guess the way you make progress and force yourself to continue coming up with more and more ideas which is something that I think a lot of people struggle with is like the idea itself in the first place so to have like that kind Absolutely. of I guess like very very informal and just like fun system going between y'all is like a really cool story. Right to be fair I only think we halfway expected to come up with something so soon it was more just fun and a good thought exercise um, knowing that if we did hit something, we would be able to hopefully do something with it. So it was cool to see that we, it actually did happen. The fact that I think, again, like, like Aaliyah said, I think it's a really cute, like, friendship because, um, <laughs> the fact that, like, you guys were, like, willing to tear each, uh, tear apart each other's ideas, um, is, like, a good, I think a good thing to have in a, in a friendship because, uh, I mean, if they don't do it, then, like, someone else is going to do it. So it's better them than anyone else. Yeah, and also, for me at least, I love hearing about the fact that you um, you saw it sort of happening in the sense that uh, you thought about, like, friends and other, like, people in your circle talking about uh, this problem that's sort of apparent and how Canary could, like, fix that. So I guess my next question would be, what impact has Canary sort of produced out of, after sort of, um, after obviously working on it? Right. Um, it's been very, very cool. Uh Getting some sort of feedback and, and encouragement is extremely important to whatever project you're working on, whether that be a startup or a class project, whatever it is, um, extraordinarily important. And it's been very, very cool for us to see, especially after an adventure. Well, two things. When we first kind of made it public, we just posted on Reddit with our like proof of concept site, which was horrible, but it worked. Like It didn't look pretty, but it worked well. Um, so we put that on Reddit. Um, just to kind of gauge interest, see feedback, and get ideas. And it got to the top page of the George Tech subreddit in three, four hours and stayed there for a few days, which was not something we expected at all. We got a huge influx of people from that. Um, that was really encouraging just from the get-go, kind of. And that was right. That was before even Inventure happened. But even now after Inventure, um, it seems to have stuck in people's minds, which is awesome to us. It's really cool. We've, I think we've all around been walking around campus and heard some sort of natural conversation with people we don't know um, where Canary comes up. 
uh, there's a story where we're sitting in line for um, food at the student center and two people in front of us were talking about internships and someone goes, oh, have you checked out Canary? And we're just like, that's, that's our, that's our thing. Like I, we, we did that. That's really cool. So stuff like that is really re rewarding. Um, just hearing students naturally talk about it. It's encouraging that it, it sticks in people's minds. Um, and then past that, obviously students, probably the best people that we can have to like our platform, but um, also just going to career centers to, to partner with them. We've gone to Georgia Tech and Emory and walking in there with them kind of having the mindset, um, understandably where it's, okay, it's just some it's college students with an idea We'll see. Um, and then walking out of the meeting with them going, this is a really good idea and very well executed. And we kind of want to do something with you. That is extraordinarily encouraging and um, really nice to have that. It's weird. It sounds approval from these people who work in the space and have worked there for years and are kind of your, your leadership as a student to walk in, have, being able to have a meeting with them and tell you, oh, this is this is really cool. That's extremely rewarding. That's so exciting. I like do. I've also like heard it kind of just mentioned around campus or like have people that like knew about it before I even mentioned it to them as like a supportive friend being like, hey, like <laughs> whatever. Um, so that's really cool. And I like honestly having, I guess, a product like that and seeing it spread not just to like your friends that you can like tell about, but like beyond to their friends and like the rest of campus because Georgia Tech campus like it's not huge, but it's definitely not small. Like that's a big deal to hear people talking about it in like casual conversation. It's big, and and it's also just very diverse. So, um, it's cool to hear it hear it naturally. It goes the same for it for any product too. I mean, even any stuff that in any club. Um, and I'm sure you guys see this on on your end. Either whether it be TEDx as a whole or this podcast in particular. I'm sure you see it and are excited when you hear other people talk about it. And that's it's extraordinarily re rewarding. Yeah, especially when you think about the fact that, like, you're making the product, like, with the people in mind. Like, sure, it's rewarding and fulfilling for yourself to make it. Uh, but at the same time, especially something like Canary, you really want to, uh, you, you're making it to help other people as well. So the fact that sort of that's catching on, um, I can imagine that must be, like, a very, just a very cool feeling. Yeah, absolutely. So you didn't work on this alone. You had a team. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how you managed working with your co-founders? Yes. So Sims, I, I've known for a while. And then um, the other co-founder that we have is Noah Waldron. And he is one of Sims's friend who I, I also knew, not quite as closely as Sims, but I knew from just being friends with Sims. Uh, that is a team that uh, exists now and in competed in venture. There were a handful of, of more hands that kind of helped us um, kind of birth this idea from the very beginning and, and, kick, and kickstart it. Uh, but the group we have now, I, they're fantastic. This team, we could not have done this without the Sims and, and Noah and I, um, all three working on this, just because of the, the timeline we were on for InVenture. We work very, very well together, and I'm, I'm very lucky that the team is, is like that. We're all, we have a very similar way of thinking, not to say that we're the same people. We're definitely not, and probably would not have gone well if we were. Uh, that's kind of need the diversity of thought to get different ideas in the pot, but um, we all have a very similar way of thinking things through analytically in that and same thing that I, I mentioned earlier with talking with Sims is we're not afraid to kind of tear each other's ideas apart. And I think that's one of the most important things you can do because you know, if someone says, I think we should do X, Y, Z, and you know, we're not afraid to say, I think that's a horrible idea because ABC, that is extremely, extremely important because it 
lets you think through the ideas and actually talk them through when you might not have otherwise. And maybe you're wrong. Maybe maybe your disagreement is not, not founded, but it's important to at least talk that out because that's how you get the, the best ideas to kind of bubble their way to the top instead of um, letting the first idea stay there. We've had meetings where we've talked for hours and stayed up till 3 a.m. talking about some seemingly minute business model point. But um, you know, it might seem frustrating staying up that late, but those are by far the most productive conversations that we can have. And you really see it come to life when you're in a meeting and someone asks you a question related to that. And you don't sit there in the meeting going, um, like you actually have an answer because you've thought this through for five hours with them and you come up with every single possible solution you can think of. So uh, it, it really does pay off. And so, I mean, anyone who asks me, um, anything about this, uh, not that I'm the sole source of information by any stretch, <laughs> but anyone who asks me anything about it, I just don't be afraid to have those long conversations because they're extremely helpful. Um, don't get frustrated. Don't take business stuff personally, because at the end of the day, you're all sitting in that room, no matter what you're working on, uh, for a common reason and you want the best for it. So um, try to, to listen to other people's advice and disagreements is huge, at least from our perspective. And again, just very lucky to have people uh, around me that uh, think in a similar way. I found that very intriguing that you mentioned that actually because I've heard a ton of horror stories whether that's like from like my extended family to like some other friends of just sort of friends turning into enemies because they're yes. sort of in uh, doing business together. I mean you you touched on it a bit but do you have anything that sort of did you have like a sit down table like on the table talk serious talk about like um, like do's and don'ts or was this a sort of pretty natural with you and sims about how sort of not to like mix business with uh, with your personal life right and absolutely it's definitely like a cultural cliche to not mix family and business <laughs> and and whatnot um, sometimes it can go it can go south especially when there's money involved and stuff but for us luckily it's been extraordinarily natural not to say that that's always going to happen, not to say that will continue to happen forever, but for us, it's always been very natural. Um, I mean, we can have these meetings where we're you know, honestly quite frustrated with each other in terms of the ideas that we're bringing up, and then we walk out of the room and go get dinner and whatever, and we just completely like, say it never even happened, um, and we don't even have to try. That stuff's awesome, and just being honest with each other, there's also been times where I think actually all three of us at this point, we've sat down for dinner or whatever afterwards after the meeting and go hey guys i'm sorry if i came off really harsh about this i was just i was really passionate about this idea i really think that this is the right way to go and just being honest and like yeah okay i understood i'm not no one here is taking that personally and you know bringing it up again and saying hey i'm, I'm sorry if that came off it is sick even more so like, yeah um absolutely and just keeping that that level of separation between business and, and personal stuff for us hopefully very very uh natural i think that's really good advice um, you also talked about this level of like going through each nitpicking, each idea really helps you be like completely and absolutely prepared when someone asks you a question about it so that you can defend it and explain why. And I think we all like know like the project group that's like gotten up in front of like the class and the <laughs> professor asks like, hey, like, can you explain this part? And like they just can't because they haven't thought about it beyond that surface level. And I think that... Definitely. I mean, we can all come up with ideas and be like, oh, hey, like, this is why it's a good idea. But I guess it sounds like what y'all do is like, hey, why would this be a bad idea? So that you can learn to defend it and learn how to improve it and come up with the best ideas. And I think that's also like really good advice is like going past that surface level and looking at all aspects of it so that you can completely defend it. Absolutely. And 
like an example you just gave, even in class projects, I'm sure all of us have seen, um, even the class projects, the group projects that are terrible, there's still a difference between those that are terrible because they didn't talk it out and they just don't know what they're talking about. And those that are terrible because the presentation didn't come together. But if you ask them questions, they can answer to every single thing they did and why it was wrong and why. And that you can still tell the difference between the people that talked it out and the people that didn't. Um, even if the end presentation isn't great, you can still tell who did that and who didn't. And if, from a startup perspective, going into a meeting and having that confidence to know that you did is very, very important. I think you've touched on a lot of interesting sort of things you've learned and like skills you've sort of have um, have used in, in the process of, you know, starting this startup. My question was, are there, can you think of some experiences in your past that have prepared you for working on the startup from the ground up and that's been sort of pivotal in and in uh, making sure it runs smoothly. Unlike a couple, you know, a handful of other people um, on Tech's campus, I haven't been crazy super involved in any like, purely entrepreneurship clubs or expos or, or things like that. Um, probably should have taken advantage of those, but um, I haven't really had that experience. The the one thing that um, you know during college I think would say really impacted my just interactions with other people and and how I manage things, projects, and do things is um, my time on the executive board of the Georgia Tech Swim Club. I applied, well, applied my freshman year, became treasurer my sophomore year. That was really cool to me because within a matter of a couple of days, you are a college sophomore who is now in control of tens of thousands of dollars where it's just you with you know, guidance, but not that much guidance and not really any oversight. You are your oversight. Um, and like, hey, Go make go help make the club work with this money. We're like, oh, I've never been solely in control of this sum of money, let alone some of money that's actually other people's money ever in my life. And you just gonna have to go figure it out. So that was awesome for me, and I've heard the same thing from other treasurers on the club actually. That it's just kind of overwhelming at the beginning. Like, okay, this is really cool, um, and fell in love with that. Uh, one of the things as treasurer that I had to do, and this seems kind of silly, but I think a lot of people can probably relate, is had to make a lot of cold calls because you have to make sure you have to call hotels and pools and whatnot before meets to make sure everything is set up okay for your team. Um, and I, before that, like, oh, phone calls are, I don't really want to make a phone call. It's just a, you put it off and whatnot. And after time as treasurer, I get pick up a phone call, anyone in the world, and you'll be fine with it because you had to do it so much. Um, so just little skills like that where now super comfortable with it are really cool and something I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And clearly I enjoyed it because I'm I'm now the president and just love working with the club, seeing it, some more thing with startup, just seeing where it goes, how you can help people, the impact it has on the people in the club. That's very, very direct. Yeah, I agree with the cold calling thing so much because <laughs> I do um, too. <laughs> because I, it's like, especially I think listeners, like you think that it's not a big deal, but um, I have the funniest story. Like literally yesterday night, I have an older sister. She's 25, right? A doctor, right? And she was whining on the phone with me about how she had way too many emails and calls to make about some like <laughs> HR issue around her. Like, um, I don't even know what it was about. Like some of her hours weren't logged in. And she was like, I don't want to email this person and I have to call this person to ask for money and this and that. And I was like, wow, like you're 25 and you're a doctor. And like, sorry, I'm like totally bashing my sister here. But, uh, I, <laughs> but uh, I felt kind of grateful for like, I mean, like Ted and, and like other things as well. I'm definitely like, I've had like cold calling is just something that I've sort of, 
I had a more experience than like my 25 year old sister. So <laughs> it's definitely a very good skill to have. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one thing where it's just like one very specific weird thing, but you can gain a lot of confidence from it. Yeah, I have a story from that too. Like I just remember in high school, we were having senior year of high school, we had to have um, find an internship for one of our classes. And had a, this was like the first time a lot of us were like forced to like talk on the phone in like a professional sense and I remember like writing out talking points before I made this phone call so that I wouldn't be caught off guard because I guess like the scariest thing for me is like you don't know what they're gonna say like an email <laughs> like you can completely plan out you have time to think but like the phone call like and chances are like this person isn't gonna like I don't think it was something that was gonna happen where I was like completely lost but I still like prepared and yeah I agree that like over the past couple of years especially in college like doing phone interviews and all that kind of stuff has definitely like made me more prepared. But I think a lot of people, especially in our generation can relate to like, we don't have to talk on the phone that often. So when we do, it's definitely an experience and a skill that needs to be developed. So you're a busy person on top of running your own company. Um, What's the student startup life like? It's interesting because it's something that you, it's something you choose to commit your life to. It's not, it's not a, it's not like a nine to five job. It's it's just like a hobby. Everyone has their stuff they do in their free time and they enjoy it. Um, for me, that's Canary and, and Swim Club um, most of the time. It's rewarding for me. And, and yeah, it's still work, uh, but it's entertaining work. It's fun work. It's good to see the, the, the what comes out of it and the progress towards a goal and, and whatnot. So um, it's really just like any other club organization hobby thing you do in your spare time. Uh, it, it takes up a lot of that time. Uh, maybe watch a little bit less Netflix now and work a little bit more on Canary. Still definitely watch Netflix, though. Um, but it's just, it's fun. It's it's something fun you kind of make time for because you want to. Uh, again, not like a nine-to-five job where it's, it's scheduled. Uh, in terms of organization, though, I think it's a lot of college students are have already learned, some in, some in high school, but are, are learning phone calendars, best thing ever. Everyone has really, really busy schedules, um, not only us, but all of the students around us, all of our friends, all the people we're taking meetings with. Um, we have to take meetings with uh, working adults who do have nine to five jobs when we are normally in class from nine to five. So that makes things difficult because unlike a job where you're getting paid to go to meetings, you can't really miss class and your excuse be, I had a business meeting. That doesn't normally work out too well. So you have to find ways to meet. Um, you're already doing a lot of teleconferencing. So it's been it's been great to just kind of fit it in wherever you can but again it's just really because you enjoy it otherwise you wouldn't make time for it i'm sure the same thing goes for for you guys and all the work you do behind the scenes for the podcast and, and tedx it's something that um it's an, is enjoyable it's that's why you're part of it yeah and also like what's something interesting i was thinking about is in your in your position you don't have anyone else to sort of like blame in the sense sort of <laughs> Um, I think a lot of times when you're in position or like working, you know, you can you can have a go at your boss um, just sort of to to vent uh, in any scenario in that sense. But um, with you, like you don't have anyone to vent about. It's just sort of your decision to be there and like your decision to commit your time to it. So I think it's sort of a ne- like a level on top of um, yeah. of just sort of being in a club or an organization organization at, at, at college. Yeah. And I mean, that. that is it's definitely a level up from clubs and organizations, but that's still the reason why I preach getting involved in a club organization, something on campus um, or, or a startup, because 
you get to see if you don't do something, things don't actually move forward. You can't rely on anyone else around you, really, because you are such an integral part of the team, um, and it really does motivate you. You can't be complacent at all. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And, like, on top of getting involved, it's also, I think, like, even though it's definitely, like, a challenge to, like, it's the first time you're really, like, forced to put in that work without, like, like you said, like, anyone else telling you to do that except maybe the exec on your organization. But if you're part of that exec, like, which we can all (laughs) relate to, it's going to be, like... I guess so different than anything else we've experienced. Um, and I know that we can definitely relate that to TEDx. I know a lot of other people can relate to that with organizations. Finding times to meet and on top of like everyone's busy schedules is crazy. We definitely like when is good and all of those like schedule, like meeting schedule schedulers have been like very beneficial. But I guess because <laughs> you said like it's not a nine, you're right, it's not a nine to five job. Um, same with a lot of other not just startups, organizations, you're working um, past the normal schedules into the evenings, nights, mornings, if you can get yourself out of bed. So how do you <laughs> balance that, like your work-life balance when work, there's not a clear cutoff between work and life, I guess. Setting goals is the biggest thing. You want to be able to feel like you accomplished something. People will work through the night if they don't have goals because they there's there's no clear stopping point. Um, so make make goals. Um, <laughs> that's the only thing that really keeps us sane. If if there aren't any goals, there's nothing to accomplish. There's no sense of forward progress, and you you will actually go crazy. Um, and that goes for again anything: startups, organizations, school projects, your math homework. It's you you got to be able to set incremental goals and reward yourself. It's the whole. I mean, I've heard this from a handful of, of people and online and stuff. It's like you do your reading and you put M&Ms on the different paragraphs. Like, even just that, because you're making some sort of forward progress and you know that you're getting somewhere is the most important thing. Otherwise, you're you're going to be unhappy at the end of the day. Um, setting goals and just setting a time, setting aside time for yourself. When I hit this goal, I'm going to go do this or, or that. You got to keep that and your your mental health in, in check as well. And just talking to people about stuff outside of whatever you're doing. Very important. Um, swim club. Very thankful that not only has that given me an opportunity to expand my leadership skills and management skills and exec board, but you know, a couple of times a week, I'm down at the pool swimming, which is an hour and a half, two hours of looking at the bottom of a pool with no phones, screens, laptops, can't really hear anything um, like meditation, but actually like super high heart rate meditation um, just because you, you have to get your mind out of it. That is, that is excellent for me. Swimming something I've had for my entire life. So that's a good way to, to escape from things quite often but keeping time for yourself yeah, yeah i've also sure. go has been like a big i guess like preacher overwhelming of, like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> a big preacher of like having um stuff going on beyond classes beyond like work whether that be like real work or like clubs or all that kind of stuff like even if it's like i love to read so i try to make it a point to read before i go to sleep because it's even those like little minutes to give like your mind a break um so I think like the importance of hobbies is huge and just like having something else, um, whether it be like with other friends or like on your own and also sleep. I feel like that's something that kind of like gets skipped over a lot in these converse- conversations and college students do not do a good job of getting sleep because it's easy to pull an all nighter and go to like grab coffee because our schedules are already like so just different than <laughs> anyone else. Like without that nine to five job. It's not always necessary to go to sleep at a certain time, but I right. think people underestimate how much better you feel. Sorry, this is turning into my own like little personal rant. No, I'd give my definitely. friends all the time on like, you need to sleep, but it's important. Definitely. 
No, I agree. I think, I don't know about you guys, but I've discovered you get a certain, like, adrenaline, not adrenaline, but you see, you get a certain rush or, like, happy feeling of having a day full of being, like, really productive. And I've discovered it could al- almost turn, like, bad, obviously, as anything could be when you're not doing it in moderation. So I agree. Sleep is very underrated and um, people should <laughs> sleep more. Shout out to sleep. Um, (laughs) but yeah I guess what I want to ask next is about your adventure experience Uh, I am a first year so I've heard a lot about adventure I just haven't uh, I don't really know a lot about it in detail so in in detail so how did you get involved what is it right so adventure quick quick brief overview of adventure Um, adventure is actually a innovation startup ish uh, competition that goes throughout the whole ACC so it's all the ACC schools and then each individual school has, well, some individual schools have their own adventure prize competitions. Georgia Tech has the biggest one, the ACC, uh, not very surprisingly, but Georgia Tech has their own, the biggest one, the ACC. Um, the Georgia Tech Adventure Prize is broadcast live on local television. Um, there's a huge production behind it, but um, it's just to get the students at those schools excited about this, um, give them coaching and kind of just really just competition like a mini Shark Tank uh, for for college students, which has been fantastic. Overall, the experience was amazing. Um, like I mentioned the live TV production like broadcast. First of all, that was really really cool. Uh, that was very strange. Everyone, all the contestants, finalists there, as collected as I hope we looked on camera, everyone is freaking out behind stage, like actually flipping out, because this is like we everyone basically did like we're in way over our heads. Uh, because you show up, we'll be there kind of all day, and the production's huge. GPB is there. There's a huge production truck for every one of us. There's like five crew members. Um, but that was really cool to be part of that. Uh, very nerve-wracking, but um, really exciting and very, very well done. I excellently um, well done. First time ever having makeup on um, <laughs> for doing uh, well, stage camera of TV makeup. That was very strange. Um, just never had that done before, which just kind of... You know, things are different. Everything's ratcheted up another level. I got home that night and was like, I don't know how to take this off. <laughs> and all I want to do is go to sleep. <laughs> so uh, that was strange. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the the competition overall, it's a lot more than just the, the television show. That's kind of the end product of months of work by uh, not only, again, GPB and, and the production crew, but Everyone behind the scenes, that's the contestants and all of our mentors who you don't really get to see out on stage. Uh, they were really the biggest parts of this. And the most important part of it and probably the most difficult part of it was we all practice our pitch pitches in front of each other um, once a week for like two and a half, two months. Um, so we got to see everyone. We knew everyone's pitch was going to be before the competition. And every week we sat in this room, gave our pitch to the room, which also had all of our mentors in it. And the mentors treated us like adults and not like college student adults. Like you are walking into my VC and firm and pitching to me to get money. Adults. Um, they were just tell us what was terrible about our pitch. They, not to say they didn't care about our feelings, but they, did, they weren't going to pad anything because this was going to be on TV. This was an actual company now and they actually want to help us do something with it. Um, so just no holds barred, just go at it every single time, um, which was really the, I think the kick in the pants that 
at least our team needed because we were so young compared to the competition. Um, we had just built our prototype like a month before the preliminary round. Um, so we were very inexperienced compared to the rest of the teams who so some of them have been around for years. So I'd already kind of thought through these questions, but getting torn apart by the, the mentors every single time was awesome, frustrating, but awesome because we got to rework things. We got to think things through again. And like I was talking about um, these late night conversations about little things, the mentors were the ones that kept pushing that and kept encouraging us to go back and, and do that. So that was kind of the best thing that we, that we could have done. Um, we got to the, the pitch to a point that we're super proud of, and apparently the audience was too, um, having won people's choice. But the experience overall was fantastic, and we still have connections with those people, and we still talk to them, and they still support us. So um, props to the entire InVenture team at Georgia Tech and, and everyone involved. It was an excellent experience, and uh, we did not expect to get to the finals when we first applied. That was not really, I mean, that was a goal, obviously, that wasn't an expectation. We just went because we wanted the practice pitching in the preliminary rounds. Um, and it turns out it, it, it caught on. And I'm very glad it did. Yeah, it sounds like an absolutely incredible experience. I can say from an audience perspective that it was also very cool to watch. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I wish I had gone like my first two years at Tech. And I'm glad I knew you competing so that I had a reason to go. Magumi, I highly suggest. Go. It's really cool. It's really fun to be in. They, they make it good for the audience, I, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna uh, go next year. Also, I was thinking about how how surreal it must feel because you said it's like a big thing with the bo- broadcasting and you're pitching in front of all these people, and obviously you've worked so hard on all of this, and uh, you know have been bashed like endlessly from all the from all like people around you, and you're there and you're the fi- it's the finals and you're sort of pitching everything. Do you remember that feeling? Do you like what were you feeling when you were doing that, or was it just sort of like you went on like automatic mode and like speech mode, pitch mode? Right. So the day of the competition, the competition was held the week before spring break, or what was supposed to be spring break. Um, so that week is typically slammed with other tests and stuff. So we were just buried in everything adventure and then everything tests. Everything was just kind of happening, and I had already relegated that week to, like, I'm doing nothing but working on class projects and adventure, and that's just how it's going to go, and I'm fine with that. So that was a mindset the whole week. Um, obviously, there's always a freaking out, getting on stage and stuff. We had been <clears throat> practicing getting on stage and giving our pitches the day before, but the set wasn't there, and the lights weren't there, and the cameras weren't there. Um, so we got there the same day as the show that night. Still got to give our pitch um beforehand actually with us there was some technical issues with our slide deck that i think one of the team had too where the transitions were not working and it would just go to a black screen which was great because uh, when i was pitching it i was talking to quotes and i wanted the quotes up on the screen to make sure i got the quotes right um so we were trying to get through that the production crew was scrambling to try and, and fix that which eventually they did props to them but um you know, it does not help adds to the stress but when you get up on stage as you do your pitch, um, I can still say that pitch to this day in my sleep, I'm sure. It's just <laughs> literally the days before that just going over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. And because you know you're going to mess. If you're going to mess up and evaluate at any point, it's going to be live on stage. And you don't want to be that person. Mm. So, And that's something they preach to us. It just practice as much as you, as you possibly can. Um, but yeah, kind of autopilot when you're up there on stage pitching. But a lot of freaking out behind the scenes everyone feels like they're in over their head when there's that much activity going going around 
Yeah, that just sounds like such a great, like, I guess, crazy experience from beginning to end. But um, obviously, you faced a lot of criticism throughout the whole <laughs> process from your friends, mentors, um, all the feedback. Do you have any advice for how not to take criticism personally? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's very hard to do, um, especially when it's such a big part of your life. Um, yeah, I don't want to speak as if I'm the only person who understands that. Everyone who's ever gotten feedback on anything they've done, um, the first reaction is to take it personally because it's something that you created yourself. That's the natural thing to do. Um, and I still absolutely do it even after InVenture and everything, even though that's kind of helped solidify um, not to do it. And you know, my personality, I guess I'm lucky in that regard where my personality lends itself to not taking it personally to begin with. Uh, but the most important thing that I think my team has seen is that because we were very frustrated walking out of some of those those adventure meetings just because we feel like we weren't making progress, we weren't doing the right things. But um, I think the biggest takeaway we've had is try very hard to, whether subconsciously or consciously, um, separate you, yourself, the person, from you, your position on this project or the team or the organization or whatever it is you're working on, you know, your um, physics homework that you didn't do well on and got bad feedback on um, you have to separate those two things because if someone says that's wrong it doesn't mean you as a human being failed at doing that it means that one specific thing you didn't do correctly and you can't take it personally or else it's just going to be a snowball into into nothingness and much easier said than it is done absolutely but a really good kind of way to think about it is that if you are at the point especially with something like a startup where you are getting feedback like this uh, week after week and thoughtful feedback on something like this. Um, if you're at the point where you're getting that feedback, you've probably already done something pretty cool or on the cusp of doing something pretty cool. And that's why you're soliciting that kind of advice. So you're already there. You're getting this advice. Don't beat yourself up because the advice is harsh. Uh, take it and, and help you go even further. You've already gotten so far and that should bring in some more confidence into the into the equation and uh, confidence is something that i've probably said more than a bunch of other words in this just because yeah our, our late night talks contributed a lot to the confidence but when you don't have that when you go into a pitch practice and you're torn apart your other confidence is i've already gotten to this point i've already done something pretty cool obviously i've already done something that works to some degree you know, don't take it out on yourself if, if you get feedback it's constructive even if it's relentless yeah i agree that it's really important to remember all of the good stuff you did because it's so easy to focus on like that one little tiny bad thing that didn't go wrong because that's generally 100%. what you're going to talk about the most so you can fix it and i know i definitely am someone that underestimates my own work a lot just because i do focus on those little things for those of you that follow know what the enneagram is at all i'm type one which is known <laughs> for their inner critic they're the perfectionists so i think that that for me that's really like I'll definitely like use that advice myself because me I know I definitely focus in on the little things and I need to make a conscious effort to remind myself of all the really cool stuff I've did because if it's 95% great and 5% like eh I focus on that 5% which is important so that you can fix it I'm not saying you should like ignore that but also don't forget about all the really cool stuff you did so I think that's really good advice Stephen. Yeah, especially when you put it to sort of not only sort of in this um, scenario, but like in everything, like you mentioned, even like your physics homework, for example, I think that's great advice. 
Um, a question I had for you was that, I mean, obviously you're getting a lot of criticism, but were there moments where you got some, like, got feedback and you were like, like, no, I don't agree with that. Like, I, I just do not agree with this criticism and I want to stand by what I believe in right now. And because I, I, I hear a lot about, like, especially like singers and stuff and artists and how they, um, they get feedback from uh, other artists that they respect. And at some point they're like, we, I, well, I have to draw a line because if I ask too many people, then it stops being something that I wanted to be. And it starts being something that what everyone else wants it to be. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Um, <laughs> it's a really difficult line to skirt too, like you mentioned, just because you're in a room, especially like, again, Adventure Prize stuff, you're in a room with people that are definitely more experienced than you giving you advice. And if you really differ on opinion on with them on something, it's hard to to not want to follow their advice just because you, you, they're so much more experienced than than you. One particular thing, I'm gonna catch flack from from one guy about this, but it's fine. Um, we really wanted to do three people in the pitch, really badly. We thought it was gonna be a lot more dynamic. One thing we didn't like about other adventure pitches was that when it's one person talking for three minutes, whatever, it gets to be very monotone unless that person is very energetic and moving a lot. And we wanted to be the opposite of that, especially since we, out of all of the startups there, we were the one that was kind of the most student-focused, high-energy, you know, of the college students type. Um, so we wanted to be as dynamic and approachable as possible. And I'll have our faces up there and be like, hey, this is us. We're just college students. We just want to help you all legitimately come talk to us after the show. Um, so we really wanted to do three people. And once we made that decision, we made the pitch for three people. It went very well. And we were told by um, a couple of the people that were working for Adventure Prize, really consider not doing that. Consider doing one person since it's three people. Can really want to. And then like, it was like the pitch before the competition where we thought we had kind of calmed their fears about that. Someone's like, you should really consider going back to one person. I'm like, it is way too late for this. And we're not doing that because we like the way it is. Um, so th that was a good example of just like, no, we're not changing it because we love the way this this looks right now. Um, we love how dynamic it is. That's just what we're going to go for. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, there's not a hard and fast rule to it at all. If your gut says something, even if you're soliciting the most experienced advice in the world, you still know your project better than anyone else. That's just how it is. It, you can't get past that. So if you truly believe in something, that's, you know, we should go this direction, do it. Otherwise, you're going to end up cookie cutter like everything else and the advice isn't always what you should be doing i think that's really like good advice too because it really makes you question it makes you question what decisions you're making a lot more and like we've talked about a lot already like going beyond that surface level because if someone even if you're saying like no i want to do that this way it makes you ask yourself like well why do i want to do it this way is it for the right reasons is it because of this and again it all comes back to being able to defend your and model i guess and make something that you're that's good, but also that you're proud of and that you're glad you made those decisions for whatever reason it may be. Definitely. And going off of that and being able to defend your position, your answer to a question should never be because someone told me to do it. Like, even if someone gives you advice, go argue about that advice internally. <laughs> and we did that a lot. Like, go, what do we go argue about that between your own team? Uh, play devil's advocate, because if someone asks you why you did it, you don't want to go, because Mr. So-and-so told us to do this. Like, that's not a good answer. You, you don't know what you're doing at that point. Um, so go argue about it and then come up with an answer and you know, see if you come to the same conclusion, which you quite often will. But then at least you have an answer for it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, I've learned a lot from just that little sort of snippet because I think I, it's always difficult to balance like confidence in your idea, but also take feedback from people that are supposedly more, obviously more experienced and they have another perspective out of it, but also making sure you don't lose yourself in your, the idea around it. Because I think like, especially doing a startup like this, especially is so navel gazing when you get, when you have, you can even get inside your head too much sometimes. But I think what I, I want to ask from you is for our listeners, for future students, I'm also uh, on the younger side on the team. Uh, I, <laughs> I wanted to ask, uh, what are some of your advice uh, for, for students interested in entrepreneurship and um, doing, starting their own startup? Before anything, I am not super special at all. <laughs> Neither is anyone on my team. We're just very, we're very passionate about the project, if, especially Georgia Tech students. Y'all can do something like that. Like, just go go do it. Um, it's not. It, we we did not go some super special class that made us be able to be successful in this. We we, we didn't have some um, bizarre opportunity in in high school that taught us how to do this exact thing. None of that. We just kind of did it and one hundred percent figured it out on the fly, which is awesome. And I can tell you that a lot of the other teams, most of the teams in the finalists, were the same way. They just kind of went for it and winged it and to a point where it worked. Second is, in terms of ideas, often the ideas are easy. Like I was mentioning, every other week, Sims and I would call each other with an idea. Um, ideas are all over the place. Uh, you just got to find the right one, and the one that you think, one that you're confident in, not only that it would work, but that you can actually do correctly. Um, we might have a great idea for a new military aircraft we can't go make that and we're not going to try because that would end probably pretty poorly um so something that you can actually go you think you can go do and, and and do correctly is a big deal but overall if you have an idea and you're not sure that it exists yet you have a hunch that that product doesn't exist that service doesn't exist um go and try it because even if it does exist if you, especially if you're the target audience, like we were with Canary, if you don't know about it, then they're doing a terrible job of marketing it, even if they do exist, <laughs> and you, have, you still have a way to enter. So, um, you know, even if something does exist and you don't know about it, you obviously there's there's room there to improve, obviously. So, go try it yourself. They haven't done a great job. You can do it better. Uh, again, like Canary, there are technically a few sites that try to do something similar to us. We didn't know about them. None of our friends knew about them. So we're like, we're going to make this and actually try and market it the correct way and actually get it out there the correct way as college students. That could be that could be helped. I guess the other only other thing I big thing I would say is that when you're working on something, especially startups, but also organizations that interact with other people, Every single thing, every decision you make, everything you talk about, everything that you end up implementing in your product needs to be in the context of whoever your user is. For us, that's quite easy because we're students and our target user is students, so we're usually right about our assumptions ourselves, although we still do talk to our friends and do um, you know, surveys and, and whatnot to make sure we're doing what students as a whole would actually be interested in. But for people who are your, you're not, your target audience is not you. You need to be talking to these people that are going to buy your things all the time. Make friends with a handful, as many as you possibly can. And every decision you make, run it by them, ask them about it, get their advice, because that's who you're actually making it for. Everything needs to be 
focused on that, not focused on the easiest development path, the easiest this or the most money making. It's not going to matter at all if the end user is not happy. And that sounds really obvious, but being hyper aware of that, I found, is extremely important. It, it really much helps and just check and, and test as much as you possibly can with with those people. Um, same thing goes with something like Swim Club. Um, check with your constituents always because they're the ones you're ultimately serving. Um, for you guys, I guess check with your audience and the people that come to TEDx. Those are the people that um, you know, I'm sure you all have seen. Those are the people that you're you're getting towards. You 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 want them to enjoy it and learn something. And um, asking them questions is the best way you can possibly do that. Yeah, like you said, I think that's something that seems obvious and is so forgotten about in so many different settings, I guess. I actually started out at Georgia Tech as an industrial design major, which is a huge emphasis on user experience. Um, you have to be in pro any form of product design and all of that. And so it was always do your research, do your testing. Your, during reviews, the professor would ask you, like, well, why is it like this? Like, that was really good experience with defending points. Um, but I think that now as an industrial engineer, there's it still matters just as much. If your process that you're designing doesn't work with the user, then it's not going to be successful. You need to be able to convince them why they should use it and they're not going to want to use something they don't enjoy. And I almost wish that like there was a little bit more of an emphasis on the user experience in industrial engineering. I think it's definitely there, but definitely not to the extent as it is there for industrial design or for startups um i think it's important in any type of field really like you said if you're designing something for someone it has to work for them yeah and i think i mean you said this it sounds obvious um but it's it's just it's, i think it's a detail that people forget about a lot because whether you're you know as Leah said designing a system for someone or you're designing a like you're making a product and you're startup for someone at the end of the day it is for someone and uh, you can do assumptions really quickly, but without sort of having that in mind that you're actually having like making this or doing this for someone else uh, and th having sort of keeping that in mind, you're like, w I think one of your goals should be that. Well, I've definitely learned a lot from talking with you, Stephen. I think definitely for me, it's been a bit of a nudge. I think for you listeners out there as well, if this is your sign, if you have a thought and you want to act on it, this is this is your little nudge. Have the confidence to just put yourself out there because it might be scary at first, but as Stephen being an example, you learn a lot from this. But yeah, I've, and even if you even if you don't have just want to start a startup, there's I think definitely from this um, talking with you, I've learned a lot of just small things like you know um, focusing on your progress, making goals, being confident. So thank you, Stephen, for Absolutely. joining us. Can I can I do a quick shout out really quick? One last uh, thought. Um, <laughs> so two things. Well, one, if you're any interest in venture, reach out to previous venture um, contestants. Everyone we reached out to was extraordinarily nice and helped us a ton in just kind of calming our nerves a little bit about what was going on. So reach out to people, whether that be an adventure prize, previous adventure people, or anyone that you think has been in your shoes previously. Very, 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 very nice people in general. And second, shout out to John Britty, who was a driving force in our UI UX to, to launch off version one. Um, he, George Tech student, just graduated now in, now in uh, graduate school, um, and he specializes in like user experience and using of the technology. Um, and so he is why our, our front end looks the way it does right now. So just big shout out to him. He was just completely invaluable in, in making the user want to use it and, and aiming it towards them. 
yeah and like Megumi said thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for sharing your advice I think it's definitely appreciated by us and our listeners so thank you thank you guys so much this is this is a lot of fun good luck with uh, all the next podcasts I'm excited to listen I really am <laughs> thank you So I really enjoyed our conversation with with Stephen. So to wrap up things, uh, we wanted to leave you, our audience, with a TEDx talk recommendation. So this talk is called What Makes an Entrepreneur by, I'm sorry if I'm butchering this, but Sahar Hashemi. And this talk was done on TEDx Youth at Bath University. So why I love this talk was I think entrepreneurship is just a topic that can be very intimidating. And I it's almost, I would say, talked about a lot, at least in for for me. There can be a lot of cliches surrounding it that you just over over said things. But when I love with her, I loved how candid and uh, realistic and authentic she sounded. Sort of similar to Stephen, her coming up with her idea for her for her startup was very much sort of out of the blue. She sort of pushed herself and had confidence and, and ended up being incredibly successful in her uh, coffee joint in, in the UK. And one quote for me that I really liked was that something, I think it summarizes what I've learned from Stephen as well, is uh, leap and the net will appear in the sense that if you put yourself out there and you do that, you take that leap, the, the mistakes you make will sort of be insignificant in that sense because the leap is what's important. What did you think of the talk, Aaliyah? I loved it. I also like love that quote as well. Um, For me, the biggest thing that I think is so important, like the message of this talk is so important, is that anyone can do it. Being an entrepreneur, she emphasizes, and I think Stephen would 100% agree, is something that anyone can do. It's not about having a specific skill set it's not about like Stephen said taking a certain class if you have the idea and you have the work ethic then you can be an entrepreneur and I think that's really I guess the biggest takeaway um for me from this talk and I hope from our audience from this podcast is that if you have the idea go out put in the work do the research you're gonna have your doubts but ignore them I guess as Sahara's advice and so I think that this talk was incredibly motivating with some really good um, advice. And I also love just hearing her story um, when something starts from, I guess, nothing and seeing it become what it is. And I guess that's how I feel about the podcast, like we were talking about at the beginning. We didn't know what we were doing. And if we were able to put on a podcast, then y'all can probably make your ideas become reality, too. And so with that, thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate all feedback. So rate us and leave a review and look out for our next episode next week. To stay up to date on all things TEDx Georgia Tech, follow us on social media, find us on Instagram at TEDx Georgia Tech, and on Facebook and LinkedIn. And lastly, TEDx Georgia Tech is an independently organized licensed chapter of TED. TED is an organization devoted to giving a platform to ideas worth sharing. The views expressed here are not necessarily views TED holds or supports and are curated by TEDx Georgia Tech. Special thanks to our guest, Stephen Ralph today, edited by Netra Gandhi Tina Chusi, produced by Rod J. Shankar, written and hosted by Aliyah Leg and Megumi Gupta. Thanks for being with us today and make sure you tune in next week.